Welcome back. We continue to learn about the Beit HaMikdash. Specifically, we're focused on the mitzvah of the honor guard duty, the responsibility that was placed upon the Kohanim and Leviim. In previous episodes, we've elaborated on this mitzvah. It comprises both a positive commandment of the Torah and stopping the watch would be a violation of a negative commandment. That's pretty unusual. We also talked about those who are called to perform this duty, namely the Kohanim and the Leviim, and the way they must serve in mutually exclusive and unique fashion. In today's episode, Firegate, we're going to focus on segment A of the Kohanic clan, the young Kohanim. This is the eighth chapter of Hilchas Beis HaBechira, the laws of the chosen home, the Mishnah Torah of the Rambam. And we are presently studying the fifth paragraph, Halacha Hei. The Rambam now opens with a rhetorical question. Veheichan hoyashomrim. Now this question is really going to be answered by the Rambam. He's not asking you for your opinion. But it can be read as a question. So where indeed did they perform this mitzvah? Up until now, we've spoken about this in general terms. We haven't actually identified where the Kohenim and Levium would take a position. The words Veheichan Hayashomrim are understood by our commentaries to refer to both the Kohenim, both sets of them, and Levium. But in Halacha Hay, which introduces the specifics, we are only going to be answering the question with regard to the Kohanim. And then, in Halacha Vav, we receive more details about the elder Kohanim. And finally, in Halacha Zayin, we troubleshoot. What if something goes wrong? It's only in Halacha Ches, in the eighth paragraph, that we'll come back to the second part of that original question, Heichan HaYashomrim, where did the Levites take our position? But let's focus. So Heichan HaYashomrim, today we are going to focus on the young Kohanim. This is Halacha A, Halacha Hay, Halacha 5A, or Part 1. And the Rambam begins now to explain. Kohanim hoyashomrim bebeis avtinos ubebeis hanitzutz. The Kohanim, they took a position in the house or chamber of avtinos, as well as beit hanitzutz which literally translates as the house of the spark. And whilst the Rambam doesn't talk about these names, where they come from or what they mean, he does say, Hoyu aliot benuyot, these were upper levels, almost like porticos, porches, that were built bitzad sha'are ha'azara, on either side of the doors of the azara. Before I continue, let me point out on the map exactly what we're talking about. So, if you look at the, at the floor map, 
this is the Azara, this is the courtyard, this is the Mizbeach, this is the altar. This is called the area of the Mizbeach or Mizbeach Arena. This is the Tzafona, this is the north. That's where most of the offerings were slaughtered. We've learned about this in great detail in previous episodes. We also learned about this area. It's called Hechal. That comprises both the holy and holy of holies. We talked about an upper level on both the holy and the holy of holies. And we even talked about this outer area and what it represented. We're now going to go back to the outer scrimmage of the Beis HaMikdash. This is the wall around the Azara and the Heichel, the wall of the actual Beit HaMikdash per se. The Beis HaMikdash has an entrance now on either side. There's an entrance here and an entrance here. In both, pardon me, we're referring to this entrance. We're going to talk about this entrance. This entrance is called Beis or Chamber of Avtinos. And it's an entranceway that goes in here. This entrance is called Beis Hanitzutz. You'll notice that there's a bit of a structure spelled out here with a dome. This is called the Nitzutz, the house or chamber of the spark. Here you might notice a square. I'm not sure if it shows up on the screen, but there are even little waves here that are symbolic of water. And that's because we call this the Shar Hamayim. This is called the Beit Avtinos. Both of these enter into the area on the sides of the Azara. Let's look at, at this picture now. In this picture, you can see very clearly the base Hanitzutz, the house of the spark. And you'll notice that it's on kind of pillars, it's on stilts. There is no lower level. It's only an upper level. It leads into the Azara. In the picture I have here, you can't see the base Avtinos. It would be on this side of the structure. Now that we identify that, let's talk about these specific homes. What is base of Tinos? So the Kesef Mishnah says that if you want to understand these words of the Rambam, you really have to take a look at Mesechet Tamid, at the first chapter of Mesechet Tamid. And of course, Mesechet Tamid, which speaks about the daily events in the base of Migdosh or the Kohenim as they would go about their business in a daily fashion, opens with these words, Bishlosha Mikomot Hakohanim Shomrim. Three places, three locations where the Kohanim took a position for their guard duty. What, what were these three places in the Beis HaMikdash? Beis Avtinos, Beis HaNitzutz, and then there's the Beit HaMoked. We'll hear about that in tomorrow's episode. So the Kesef Mishnah says, this is in Perekama the Tamid, and the Kesef Mishnah also is going to identify who it was that took up position in these places, but I'm going to talk about that soon. So why is it called Avtinos? The name Avtinos shows up in the Jerusalem Talmud in Mesechet Shkalim. Incidentally, there isn't a Babylonian version of Mesechet Shkalim, so that's the only Mesechet Shkalim we have. The Gemara there waxes on, on page 13 and page 14. It's mentioned in the Mishnah, and then the Gemara goes on to talk about this. The house, the name of Tinos was named after the senior member of this family. In the words of the Mefarish, the anonymous commentator on Mesechet Tamid, he says, Beis Avtinos is Lishkat Mefatme Haktoris. This is the chamber or office of those who would make the Ketoret. Now, the making of Ketoret requires 
an extraordinary skill in grinding or pulverizing the different ingredients and then blending them to perfection so that it doesn't look like 11 different ingredients, but rather it becomes one finely blended mix or assortment of ketorot. Impossible to tell the difference between one and the other. This was apparently a very difficult thing to do, and there was only one family that knew how to do this. This aliyat base avtinos, this is where the Kohen Gadol will be taken prior to the service on Yom Kippur to learn all about the Ketoret, something called the laws of Chafina, which is said to be a very, very difficult and challenging method of service in the Beis HaMikdash. Now, why was it called the Chamber of Avtinos? The Mefarah says, Lefi umonin because they were the professionals when it came to the fashioning of Ketoret, Nikra al Shmum. So it was called by virtue of their name. And where does that come from? It comes from the elder of the elder of the of this particular family, the patriarch of this family, whose name was, you guessed it, Avtinos. So the Gemara in Shkelton speaks about this family. The Gemara says that they were the professionals and they charged a hefty fee. They refused to divulge their secrets. The Gemara in Mesechat Shkelton tells us that when the Chachomim were dealing with these exorbitant billings, they decided to try and bring in some perfumers from Alexandria. Apparently that was a place where there were a lot of professionals. They brought the professionals in. They could replicate the Ketoret. However, there was a particular herb, some kind of vegetation, called Mala Oshon. We only know it as bringing up the smoke. It somehow had a, a, a property of consolidating the smoke so that it would go up in a particular way. And it performed wonders. The people from Alexandria could mix the perfume. They couldn't identify Mala Oshan. Having no choice, they returned to the house of Avtinos. Now the Gemara discusses the house of Avtinos and the various secrets, the secretive nature of this family. The Gemara comments that in this family, any woman who married into the house of Avtinos would have to accept upon herself never ever to use perfume or you couldn't marry a boy from Avtinus. They did this because they wouldn't want anybody ever to say that they benefited or used the perfume of the Beit HaMikdash. The Gemara goes on to tell stories about, about the, the Maila Oshan, how nobody knew what it was, how one boy recognized it but refused to divulge. And in the end, Rabbi Akiva, when he realizes how carefully this family kept the secret, he says, you know, we've been speaking somewhat disparaging about this family, but the way that they kept that secret, the way they guarded the details, instead of disrespect, they're actually deserving of our greatest respect. Anyway, there's a lot to be said about this family. This, uh, um, some people call them almost a mythical family, like, like a family that was larger than life and a family that literally fell apart after the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because their whole identity was based on this sacred service they would perform. That's where they do the avodah, the service of making the ketorot, and that's where the young kohanim would be. But of course, we didn't hear about the young kohanim yet. Let me share with you the words of the Tiferet Yisrael in his commentary on the Mishnah. He says, this place, which is called Avtinos, was the lishka, 
the area in which the actual Ketoret was made. Ubekotel darom shal Azarahaya. It was on the south wall of the Azara, al sha'ar hamoyim, over the water gate. The water gate is where water would be brought in for the special water libations on Sukkot. So above it, there was an actual gate that was used but once a year, above it was this portico. It's no better word for it because it didn't have a lower floor built on stilts. Why was this? Well, this is really interesting. You see, the Rambam tells us that alias vigages leinuskaches, Invariably, the Rambam says that the reason for these two-floor structures is because the roofs and the upper floors, and I mentioned this prior, of, this, of the temple courtyard were not nitkadesh, they weren't consecrated. And this, of course, is very significant because if that would have been the case, it would have been forbidden for people to sit or certainly to lie there. And we're going to find out that the people who were doing work so close to the Beis HaMikdash, couldn't be standing the whole time. And it was even possible for somebody to recline. So we wanted to keep it close to home, but we didn't want it to be in a sacred area because the only one who's ever allowed to sit in the Azara, in the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash, is the Melech Yisrael, is the king of the Jewish people, and that happens once every seven years during the year of Hakel. That's a subject for another day. So what did they do? They built a second floor. They didn't need a lower level. They only needed the upper level. And this would be the area where the Ketorot was made, and as we'll see, where the Kohenim kept watch. So that's, a, that's what the base Avtinus is. What about the base Hanitzutz? So with regard to the base Hanitzutz, we have an interesting comment from the Rabbi Yosef Kurkus. The Marie Kurkus says about base Avtinus, that's the place where they made the Ketorot. And interestingly enough, I'll just add one more detail to the Beis Avtinus before I go on to the Beis Hanitzot. This is also the place that during the time of the second Beit HaMikdash, as the Rambam elaborates in great details in a different set of halachot to deal with the service of Yom Kippur, where the Kohen Gadol was administered an oath that he was loyal to the oral traditions of the Torah and that he wasn't infected with the spirit of heresy that had taken root amongst the Jewish people during this time. So this is kind of a, an area or chamber which had multiple uses on rare occasions but was used on a daily, or should I say, nightly basis to house the Kohanim who were performing this sacred guard duty. Marie Kurkus goes on to say, Beis Hanitzotz, he says simply, Lo nitba'er tamo. We don't know why it was called the House of Spark. The Mefarash on the Gemara in Mesechet Tamid also says, Lo shamati botam. I never heard a reason. I don't know why it was called House of Spark. However, other Rishonim do talk about the name and what it might mean. In fact, in the commentary of the Rosh, it says, with regard to Avtinos, he was Rosh Laoto Mishpacha. He was the head of that family, and they were the experts. They called themselves by his name. Besanitzotz, he says, aha, this, he says, was not on the south but on the north side. It was an open porch. The sunlight would come, would be shining right down. And as such, because there was so much sunlight, it was like a, what they call in today's language a sunroof, like a tanning area. 
because the sun beat down so strongly, because the sun was so, so focused in that area where you caught so much sunlight, that's why it's called Beit Sanitzot's House of the Spark. It's a little bit hard to understand why the sunlight is called House of Spark, although we sometimes refer to the sparkling sunlight. The Ravid, however, has a different approach. He says, yes, there was a lot of sunlight there, no question about it, but he says there was also a constant fire burning. It was open air, and there was a fire burning. And he says this fire was used not to warm the Kohanim, that'll be in the Beit HaMoked, the house of the hearth. This fire was used that in the event that they would need to kindle fire on the Mizbeach, and in fact it's a mitzvah to bring earthly fire, although a heavenly fire descended, so whenever they would need to kindle earthly fire, they would have a constant fire burning, very close to where the Beis HaMikdash needed it, very close to the Mizbeach, but at the same time, not in a sacred place. Because you can't just kindle fires in a sacred place. And it would be in the area of Beis Hanitzutz. So, let's go back to the map. Right here, you'd have a constant fire burning. The Mizbeach is here, and if you need a fire, you'd have to go up to the second floor, get the fire, and then carry it around to the Mizbeach. You can see it here in this picture a little more easily. It's really kind of easy, accessible. You go through this door and you go straight down this area and you come to the Mizbeach. And this is called the Beit HaMoked. We'll learn about that tomorrow. This fire was a fire burning here as well, but this fire was needed to warm the Kohanim. And we'll hear about that with God's help tomorrow. So now you know why it's called Beit Hanitzutz. Very interestingly, the Teferit Yisrael in his commentary, the Mishnah, says something very similar. He says, why is it called Beit Hanitzutz, the house of the spark? Spark sounds like fire. He says, wasn't there a fire in the Beit HaMoked called the house of the hearth? He says, yeah, there was. However, that was a different kind of fire. And there was a lot of smoke going up over there. And its fire wasn't always, if you will, uh, burning or raging in the same fashion. So therefore, there was a fire burning here in the Beit Hanitzutz, the house of the spark. And this was from They'd have coals burning there. Hence the name spark. And there would be always, and if anything would ever be erased, they'd always have coals burning. There'd always be a fire or at least a spark. And they bring quickly fire to the base of Migdash from there in case the fire would go out on the Mizbech. And he says it wasn't a big fire, it wasn't a raging fire, it was what you would call a pilot light. And that's why it was called Beit Hanitzutz. So you know, like you have in a gas stove today, a small pilot light burning? It's only when you want to kindle the fire, you kindle it from that pilot light. That was the meaning of Beit Hanitzutz, he says. Well, there you got it. So now we have an understanding as to why it's called Beit Hanitzutz. And let's go back to the words of the Rambam. So where were the Kohanim? They were in the Beit Hanitzutz. They were in the Beit Avtinus, the place of making the Ketorot, the place of spark, where there was a, a pilot fire kept burning at all times. Rambam tells us, as we learned, they were on the upper levels, and they were built on the side of the walls of the Azara. Now we're going to hear who performed the watch in these positions. Says the Rambam, Vaharovin, Rovin will see, is a term that's used for young Kohanim. Hayushomrim Sham. They would be the ones to work there. The Kesef Mishnah says, this is the Beit Yosef, Harovin, who were they? He says, kids. 
They weren't of age to perform service in the base of Megdash, so they did the night shift. They stayed up. And he says, they were on the bar mitzvah. Literally children. The Radvaz says that they were Bachurim Shadayan Lehigio Lechinochavoda. Radvaz is a little less explicit. He doesn't say children. He doesn't mention Bar Mitzvah. He says they were young. In fact, from the, from the uh, verbiage that Radvaz uses, Bachurim, we could surmise they were teenagers. And we know that this is Halacha uh, and the Rambam, that generally speaking, the Kohanim did not actually serve until not the age of Bar Mitzvah, but the age of full majority which is 20 years old. That's the age of conscription, for example, in Torah law. It's also the age when a child is no longer a child in business matters, and he can get involved in selling his family real estate. So this is the opinion of, of Radvaz, opinion of the Kesef Mishnah. Uh, clearly, before Bar Mitzvah, Kesef Mishnah doesn't say that explicitly. However, when we take a look at the Mefarish, the commentary, the anonymous commentary of Masech Tomad, he says, Reuven, these were how Koranim were referred to. Sha'adayin, Lohigia. They hadn't yet reached the age of Asot Avoda. Kigoni says, for example, they didn't have to be children, but they could, for example, be Pchusin Biyudgimel Shona. They could be less than 13 years old. And he says, we know that the Targum renders the words Vayigdal Hanar, and the young man grew up. The Targum says, Verovo Ravia. So ravya is a term for a small child. Because they didn't yet reach the age of being able to serve in the Beis HaMikdash. So therefore they said, you know what? You go on guard duty. Spend the night up. You'll learn Torah. You'll pray. You'll be up. You'll be preserving the dignity of the Beit HaMikdash and it won't in any way detract from your performance of serving the next day in the Beit HaMikdash because, hey, you can't serve anyway. The Mefarish adds a very interesting idea. He says, Otan those who could actually serve in the Beit HaMikdash, they don't want to be part of watch, the guard duty. They want to actually serve in the Beit HaMikdash. They want to do something. And the Yecholin Lavod, it's only logical that those who could do real work shouldn't be left just to stand guard, just to maintain a watch, which is about mindfulness and a display of not having neglected the Beis HaMikdash. The Lechem Mishnah takes extraordinary exception to this. Now, I want to tell you, before I go to the Lechem Mishnah, the, the Mishnah Lamelech, pardon me, the Mari Kurka says also, he says that these were children, he calls them Pirche Kahuna. You know, Pirche is a word that's used for children, small children. And he says... They're called ravia, which sometimes means even babies. And he's a child. And he says the word ravia is the primary meaning. This is a description of children. So when the Rambam says Reuben, the Rambam is ruling for us and telling us that this is specific for children. Young Kohanim. The Mishnah Lamelech is very unhappy with this interpretation. He says... The Rambam doesn't spell out less than age of Bar Mitzvah. He says, but the commentary on Masechet Tomid does. And he says, so does the Kesef Mishnah. 
the Bet Yosef in his commentary on the Rambam. Vani Tamiya. He says, I am frankly shocked at this. If they aren't bar mitzvah, if they're what's called in halacha a katan, a minor, he says, Einem bnei mitzvot. So then they're not obligated in performance of mitzvot. And he says, so what are you going to tell me? That this was a Kohanim and Leviya mitzvah? And the mitzvah was actually performed by the Levites? He says, yeah, that's not going to work. We learned in the previous episodes that there is a verse that identifies the concept of the Kohan's watch down to the three places, whether it's because it's Aaron and his two sons or because the Torah uses the word watch thrice in the same verse. It says clearly the verse that speaks about the watch is directly addressing Kohanim. So he says, I, I don't understand how that would work. As such, the Mishnah Lamelech comes to the conclusion that despite the fact that the verbiage of Ravia is indicative of small children, and the Rambam, we know, was very careful with the words he chose, it must mean not children, but teenagers. And he says, the Rambam tells us clearly in the fifth chapter of Laws of Klehamigdash, Halacha 15, that when the Kohen grows up, he is technically appropriate to serve in the Beis Hamigdash. However, the Kohenim would never allow a child, a teenager. And they didn't allow him to serve until the age of 20. So he says, based on that ruling of the Rambam, there is no reason to make an outrageous assumption that these were children, quite literally, the Rambam uses the term children. Ah, he really means teenagers. You know, it kind of fits with the way people look at things today. Teenagers aren't really adults, they think. They shouldn't be given any real responsibility. But the Rambam does use the word children. And of course, this seems to present a tremendous challenge uh, or issue or problem. So uh, how do we work that out? Well, the Rebbe himself spoke about this in great detail. And the Rebbe suggests something quite fascinating. He says, the truth is that sometimes there's a mitzvah which can be performed by a child as long as there's an adult who is actually, so to speak, watching over or looking over his shoulder. We know with regard to the watch in the Beis Hamikdash that despite the fact that the Kohanim and Levites took up position, they weren't left to their own devices. In fact, there was a constant checkup, and that was called Ish Harabayis, who would always be going from place to place. Remember, we're talking 24 locations. And they would have to greet this Ish Harabayis as he would arrive, and they would have to say, Hi, how are you? If he wouldn't, they could get themselves into some very serious trouble. In other words, all of these different people stationed at their various locations were ultimately being carefully supervised. I would say constant supervision. As such, the Rebbe suggests, we could understand that despite the fact that these were children, they were being presided over by an adult, a responsible Kohen. And he would give their mindfulness if you will, greater meaning. The bottom line is this. This isn't a mitzvah in which somebody has to actually do something. This was a demonstration that we hadn't forgotten about the Mesa Migdash, that it was never neglected. And the fact that children remained right near the Beis Migdash, singing and praying to Hashem in their pure voices, 
being supervised by adults would necessarily mean that the Beis HaMikdash wasn't neglected. And perhaps it was the innocence of the children that made it so special. Of course, this also helps us understand why the young Kohanim would only be in two places, not on the third. You see, the third location, which we'll learn about tomorrow, that's right here. This is called Beis Hamoked, or this large building. That was on the ground. And on the ground, you needed to have Kohanim who had reached the age of majority. Whereas here, the Kohanim who were participating in the watch were on the upper level, non-consecrated area, above the entranceway. Their presence meant mindfulness. It lent a sense of awareness, a sense of dignity, a sense of honor to the Beis HaMikdash, but it didn't require the participation of majors. After all, nothing actually had to be done. And the supervision itself was all tied together by Ishi Kohen Gadol, who went from place to place. And in this way, the Rebbe says, we can mitigate the question of the Mishnah Lamelech. And clearly, whilst the Radvaz might still err on the side of caution and say, above Bar Mitzvah, under the age of 20, the Kesef Mishnah and the Mefarish are clear and explicit in saying that this was children. And that is the language the Rambam uses. It all kind of comes together and helps us appreciate the nature of this very unique mitzvah, of this sacred guard duty, or Beis HaMikdash watch, that continued unabated night after night, enabling us, the Jewish people, to pay homage, show our appreciation to Hashem for dwelling amongst us in His holy Beis HaMikdash. I hope this was illuminative. I hope it sparked interest. I hope that you'll continue to join me as we learn about the special mitzvah, as we can continue together to yearn for and pray that very, very soon Hashem will bring us home with Mashiach and we'll meet in the third base of Migdash. Bimheira will be Amenu. Speedily. And in our days, Amen. Thank you so much for joining. Have a beautiful day.